While divorce rates are dropping significantly overall, divorce rates for people over the age of 50 have doubled since 1990. 55% of gray divorces, as they call them, involve couples who have been married for 20 years or more. And the interesting phenomena is that more women are filing for divorce than men, even though they have a higher potential of financially losing out at the end of the process. When my next guest was dragging herself out of a funk during her first divorce, she started writing down her thoughts and insights on little post-it notes. 20 years and another divorce later, Sarah Jacobs armed herself and her readers with a practical yet positive guidebook to divorce. And she also got to do something she always wanted to do, and that was write a book. You may not be considering a departure from your current partnership, but if you know someone who is, I encourage you to tune into this next episode. Health, wellness, career, family, life, and the better side of 50. I'm your host, Michelle Follin. And this is Asking for a Friend. Welcome to Asking for a Friend. Our guest today is Sarah Jacobs. She is twice divorced, and she's written a book named Better Not Broken, a Practical Positive Guidebook to Divorce. She has a master's degree in theology and has been an adjunct instructor at the University of Cincinnati, Go Bearcats, and Xavier University. Welcome to the show, Sarah. Thanks, Michelle. I'm thrilled to be here to talk about my book, but even more broadly to talk about the subject of divorce, which is not often talked about. No. And Sarah and I were introduced through a mutual friend, and I have to say I absolutely loved this book. First of all, I wanted you to tell just our listeners a little bit more about yourself. A little bit about me. One thing that pops to my head immediately, because I can't believe it's true. I just turned 60, which gosh, time flies. So I'm 60 years old. I have two amazing adult daughters. I look back at the last 60 years and think I've had quite a journey a very eclectic life and so many great privileges and opportunities. And really, I would say most of those are based in and foundational in the people I've met and the friendships I've developed. I've just been blessed with a very rich life. That's wonderful. It's great to be 60 and know that we've got this foundation of great friends and and people around us. Thank you for sharing that. I'm really curious, what prompted you to write Better Not Broken? Well, a couple of things. I would say the number one catalyst for me was when I divorced the first time. I was encouraged by people, just get a divorce. That's a phrase you hear a lot when you are struggling in your marriage or have gotten to the place where it's clearly over. Just get a divorce. Well, okay, that's what I need to do, but then you don't know how to do it. And there's so many little parts to divorce that I had no idea I was going to have to go through to just get a divorce. I always thought someday I'm just going to write this book, which is a short little book, and that's what I wanted. Almost a checklist, but I call it a travel guide, actually, to help you or anyone get through the divorce process 
I really wanted to do this, which was to break it down into all the different little pieces so that it was not overwhelming. I found so many books on divorce were just overwhelming in the amount of information or they were overwhelming in the personal stories they were telling. This book is not about my personal experience of divorce. It's not about, hey, let me tell you about my divorces. A person going through this process, <laughs> they're going through their own. They don't need to hear mine. This has been the revelation of years living post-divorce is the understanding that divorce is not necessarily a negative thing and that divorce can offer wonderful opportunities for personal growth, growth as a parent, as a person, as a professional, growth in a hobby, in an interest. Divorce can open up your life if you are perhaps a little bit more positioned to see it that way. I think our culture has such a negative hold on how we see divorce, which is not to say it's not hard. It is hard. And it is the end of something that began as positive and we all had great hopes for. But the changes that come with divorce are not all negative. That's another real reason for me to write the book. I'm the one woman bandwagon about let's change the way we talk about divorce. You said you're twice divorced. And I was curious if your approach was different with the first one and then the second one. That's a great question. I knew more the second time through. I'd say the approach was different in that I didn't have to learn everything the first time. I was maybe smarter, definitely more savvy about the process. Certainly much more efficient in working with an attorney and working with my soon-to-be ex. The second time through, I understood the value of still being able to communicate with that person, which cuts down on the amount of communication with the attorney, which ends up saving everybody money and time. I think the second time I was smarter. I really hope that my book can help people be smarter. You can learn from other people's mistakes and experience. Yeah, absolutely. I have to say this, having read the book, and after knowing what you've been through, I didn't hear any anti-marriage or any kind of bitterness whatsoever with the book, which I loved. You kept it very positive. It was a really refreshing perspective. There was this overarching message of here's the process, here's what you do, but your attitude is really important to get you through it. I appreciate that because I really was striving to hit that mark. Again, divorce is hard, but the opportunities for your life that it presents are more positive than negative. Divorce is the end of a relationship in your life. It's not the end of your life. It's not the end of your children's lives. It's a change. From the minute you're born, you are changing. That's really what I was trying to say is this is a change and it's got a lot of positive aspects to it. Were any of the chapters more difficult to write than the others? Oh, wow. I never really thought about that. Not really. I've been divorced a long time. So I think I've been thinking about, <laughs> about this book a long time. I've kept notes on what I wanted to put in this book on all of these topics for years. How long had you been planning on writing this book? I find this fascinating. 20 years. 
the pandemic gave me a time where I was not working. I thought, well, if I don't do it now, shame on me. I got to work and gathered all my notes. I had post-it notes and torn up envelopes and cocktail napkins saved <laughs> forever. I had no phone, notes on my computer. And I put them all together and just thought, here we go. You're making me laugh because I just think of the wacky creative process. <laughs> Our lives have paralleled. And we came to that conclusion when we first sat down and talked. Yeah. We have some similarities. I was unemployed during COVID and I was working on doing this podcast and I have stuff everywhere. It's just funny to hear your process. <laughs> yeah, I like when I go back in my house and I find a post-it note on the kitchen cabinet that has something that I thought at the moment was so profound and wise. And then I read it again and I'm like, what did I mean by that? <laughs> I can't remember. Yeah, so cryptic sometimes if we don't use it right away. I wish I would have had this book when I went through my divorce. I had so few divorced friends at the time. I really didn't have anyone to really bounce this off of. I had to internalize a lot of that. And that was difficult. It's very hard. This is something that I find somewhat sad is 20 years ago when I divorced and I told people I was getting divorced there was a deafening silence from most of my friends. Not all, but most. In 20 years, I talked to people who are getting divorced and they're the age I was 20 years ago, or, or even my age, men and women. And they will say, that's exactly what happened. And I think in 20 years, we have not moved the dial on how we talk about divorce we have to do that. We have to. It's the stigma. Mm -hmm. Right. I felt it back in 2007 when my then husband and I separated. But I also think there is the religious component being Catholic. Besides telling my children, telling my mother was the most difficult part of that because of that whole Catholic stigma and all that. Luckily, it was later in my mom's life where she had enough friends whose kids had been through it. So it was a little easier. It's a difficult time because people just may not understand. Right. And I think that people will say to you, I know people said it to me, but you promised you stood up on that altar and you promised before God that you were going to be in this relationship till death do you part. This isn't a flippant answer at all. To me, this is a very much a spiritual answer. Well, you're in a marriage that is beyond repair. You are in a slow death. I've spoken to so many people who would say, I saw my personality changing, not for the better, just to try to hold this together so that we could still say we were married. Not that we were happy, not that we were flourishing, not that we were showing our children what a beautiful relationship looks like. We just were still able to say we were married. To me, that's deadening. That's not a way to live. And it's really not a way to show your kids how to live. This is a topic we need to talk about. I was in a coffee shop and I was just divorced and I ran into someone I knew who was having marital issues she had convinced herself that staying together for the kids was the best thing because that's what her family wanted her to do. 
but you could just tell she was really sad. And you and I talked a little bit about this when we were out to dinner. There's two camps in this one. Stay together for the kids or make the break and show your kids what a happy mom and a happy dad look like. I think it comes down a lot to what are your foundational values, not just for the marriage, but for life, for life. What are your goals for your children? Is it that life is full and joyous and not always happy, but productive? And is your marriage supporting those goals? And if it is not, and I'm not talking about a bad week or a bad month. I'm not even talking about a bad year. You know, you can hit a patch that's bad for five years and still see and help each other out and create a marriage. And that's a great thing. But if you've hit a patch where you're actually tearing each other apart, I do not see the value in staying together for the kids. And I will tell you, I have never, ever encountered a young person who said, gosh, I wish my parents had stayed together for me. They may miss that one home. They may miss Christmas altogether. But I have never heard them say, I wish they had stayed married. And I think that that is extremely telling about what divorce really produces. Sure, you do lose some things. You're not going to have a Christmas dinner always now with mom and dad. That's right. You're not. But I think a lot of people remember back incorrectly what Christmas dinner was really like. I understand the two camps, but I do not support the camp of staying together for the kids, not because it makes me feel better about my choices, but because if I did the statistics of every person I've talked to, I have never heard a child of divorce say, I wish they'd stayed together. And I have never heard two parents say, whoops, we divorced, but we better get back together for the kids. I mean, if you divorce, you could remarry. If that divorce was so negatively impacting the children and yourselves, remarry. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah. Very rarely. Very rarely. And I think adult children as they mature, see their parents in a different light and ultimately do come to that conclusion that maybe this was a good thing. And I see my mom and my dad, they're both really happy now. And that's not such a bad thing, right? Right. And I don't want to minimize the switching houses and packing a bag. And that can be tough on kids. I don't want to overlook that. But once you get past that, I think it's eye-opening for kids. Right. And that's one of the things I try to do in the book is say, you're a child of two households, then as a parent, you need to pay attention to that and support that. And that's what I think is really good about my book is you've got a heads up on your way in that you need to be present. So maybe you need two backpacks. Maybe you need four pairs of gym shoes. Maybe you need 800 pairs of socks. Maybe that is what you need to make going back and forth between two homes successful, then do that. Help the kids out. Maybe you're like, I reminded you once that you need to bring that book. Well, remind again. Text the other parent. We need that book. We need this permission slip. We need this $5 for the field trip. It's going to take a lot of communication, but you can do that. 
I mean, I think sometimes people will hunker down and they'll say, that's supposed to happen at your other parent's house. No, no, no. <laughs> You're always the parent. You always are able to be supportive. Shovel the coal. That's what I say. Shovel the coal. Get them through it. Make it fun. Make it fun. Back to your initial point. It's communication. So keep those lines of communication open between you and our former spouse. Good points. There are all kinds of ways to communicate. And I think that sometimes people will say, I can't even talk to that person anymore. Well, don't talk to them. Send an email. Do a weekly email. This is what's coming. Do a text message. Don't put your kids in the middle and say, you know, send a message to your mom or send your message to your dad. Don't do that if it's really contentious. There are all kinds of ways to communicate without having to get on the phone or do it face to face. Right. Be creative. I agree. And I think it's good, too, when kids see parents co-parenting. There isn't one that's always being the heavy. The parents talk and they discuss the kids' issues together and present a united front to the kids. Right, right. And, you know, I think one thing that's very true, I know it was true in my life and, and in my kids' lives, and I think it's true in a lot of people's lives, is when you divorce and there are two households, you are free to represent yourself to your kids as you. You're not being filtered by the other person. You're not being critiqued by the other person. And I think that a lot of kids have better relationships with their parent when there are two households because the rancor is gone. The negative filter is gone. I don't think we talk much about that, but I think my daughters know their father in a much closer, better way than ever would have been achieved had we stayed married. And that's a good thing in their lives. Yeah, that's a great point. There are so many things that I love about your book, especially the section on self-care and being good to yourself. So I think that one of the things to really understand about self-care and a fun way to approach it is to look at it as if you're having a relationship with yourself, that this relationship you used to have with another person and the things that that other person used to do or bring to you that were positive and wonderful and made you feel happy and special, you can now take over that task or that responsibility and do those things for yourself. You can take yourself out to dinner. You can go to a movie. You can learn something new. I think that that's really one of the greatest self-care things is learning something new. I learned how to make glass beads. I never thought I would know how to make glass beads. I learned how to make glass beads. Some people learn a new language. There are just so many things that you can do with this time Instead of focusing on, oh my gosh, now I'm alone, you can say, oh my gosh, now I've got time. I've got time to be with me, do things I want to do, learn things I want to learn. And I think that is really one of the most important things. And again, this is something that your kids will see you do. And then that becomes a skill that they carry on into their lives, that they see like, oh, okay, being an adult not partnered in the world is just fine. 
And that's a happy time. It probably won't last. Most people who get divorced end up getting remarried or with another partner. And I've frequently heard people say, oh my gosh, I wish I'd used that time when I was divorced and alone. I wish I'd used that time better. So embrace yourself, embrace that time. It's not always easy, but once you make that your habit, you'll find the ball gets rolling and you'll be having a really good time with yourself before you know it. Yeah. And you know what I'm hearing you say is this can be a real time of self-discovery and it can be really, really great if you just have the right perspective going into it. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I think and I'm not even going to say this is especially true for women. I think it's true for all of us. We're so much a culture of people going out in groups or uh, couples. The, the idea of going out alone for many people is just absolutely terrifying. Start small, <laughs> but then you'll find, go to a movie by yourself, but then you find, oh, this is great. I get to the movie when I want to. I go to the movie I want to. I leave when I want to. And you build on that. And then you really, you start to realize, oh my gosh, I'm going to learn this. You know, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go to this place. I have a friend who got divorced and she had never traveled alone. And now she jumps in the car and goes where she wants, when she wants. And she'll laugh. She'll say, remember when I was (laughs) afraid to go anywhere alone? I'm like, I don't even remember that person. Yeah, that's great. So we're kind of getting close to the end of our time. I want to ask you one last question. What would you want to tell your 25-year-old self? (laughs) That's such a great question. I would probably say to her, embrace life, embrace love. Don't be shy. Don't be afraid work very hard at it. I think that if I would say anything, I want to be very clear. As you mentioned at the beginning, when we first started talking, I am not anti-marriage or anti-relationship, but let yourself shine when you step into that relationship and be honest about who you are, be honest about who the other person is. And I would also say, drop the expectations of what that other person is supposed to do for you. I think we have piled on so many expectations about what a marriage partner can and should do that it's almost unreasonable. It's a partnership, I would say, for going through life more than I would understand it as a partnership for life, right? I would tell that 25-year-old girl, Do not be afraid of love. Do not be afraid of relationships. Be willing to work, but be willing to say, this is what I need and have a ball. And if it does not work for whatever reasons that the two of you change, because really that is truly what drives most divorce is there has been a change in one person or both people so that they no longer are forward facing life in the same way not even necessarily negatively, they are no longer lockstep, they can't do it, then let that go. Shake hands, move on, move forward. Yeah. I just think it's so important to work really hard to make that relationship work. And if it doesn't, work really hard to make that divorce a positive change. 
I would work really hard to make the marriage work, to make the relationship work. But if life brings changes and it no longer can, then work really hard to make the divorce a positive change or a platform for positive change for both people. This is such, such great advice. I agree with you. This is not just for women our age. It really is wonderful guidance for anyone. I am going to share this with my daughters for sure and with other people in my life. I would like to know where can people find your book, Sarah? That is a great question. It is available through Barnes & Noble. It is available if you live in Cincinnati, where Michelle and I do. It's available at Joseph Beth Booksellers, and it is available at Amazon. And it's also available through the publisher, who is Broler Books at BrolerBooks.com. Okay, I'm going to put all of this in the show notes and any of your contact information in case people want to reach out to you. Absolutely. It's just time for us to all start talking realistically about it. And that really is going to help everybody. It's going to help the people who are divorcing, the kids, the family members. It's time. It's time to talk. It's time to talk (laughs) about something that half of us are going through. Open dialogue. Absolutely. Sarah, thank you so much. It was great having you on the show today. And I'm sure you and I will talk very soon. Thank you, Michelle. It was my privilege. Thank you. Follow Asking for a Friend on social media outlets and provide a review and share this show wherever you get your podcasts. Reviews and sharing help us grow. 